is John Rubino from DollarCollapse.com, and you're listening to Run to Gold. Okay, welcome back to episode 80 of the RunToGold.com podcast. Uh, this is the third episode in this installment about tax domicile with Bill Rounds, a California attorney who helps uh, author, he co-authors HowToVanish.com with me. And so welcome, Bill. Hi, Trace. Uh, so in our first episode in this series, we talked about tax domicile and how it's in the news. We talked about the threats that are going to be coming from municipal uh, bond, uh, municipals that have issued bonds and things from states that are the bankrupt states and how we're, it's important for us to achieve tax flexibility. In the second episode, we talked about location independence and privacy, how it's a lot easier to engage in an ounce of preparation than to deal with a pound of cure and to set up one's affairs and order them in a way that they can quickly and easily cut those junction points with the different municipal or state uh, governments that pose a threat to their wealth. And so in this third episode, we're going to be talking about the overall strategy of tax domicile. So, Bill, what exactly is this tax domicile and how does it relate to U.S. citizens and also to just citizens of most countries in the world? Okay, well, as far as U.S. citizens are concerned, all U.S. citizens have one state that is considered their tax domicile, like their tax home. Um, it, that doesn't matter whether you spend 11 of the 12 months of the year uh, traveling the world. It doesn't matter whether you spend um, your entire time inside of one state. Everyone has one state that is their tax domicile and one state only. Um, now, this also applies to citizens around the world where you're thinking about uh, the different provinces or um, regions of the different countries, Canada, Australia, or a couple that I can think of uh, right off the top of my head, where different provinces or, or regions will have different tax rates depending on what province, region, or state you're living in. Uh, the U.S. isn't the only country that does that. In fact, the U.S., uh, the federal government taxes people on their worldwide income. Uh, unlike most governments, most governments like uh, those in Europe or Asia, for example, they only tax their residents uh, and not necessarily their citizens. So, for example, if you're uh, a German or a Brit, but you're resident in Hong Kong, then Hong Kong's going to tax you. But you don't have to necessarily pay your taxes back to the UK or to Germany. So when uh, the principles are pretty much the same though, wouldn't you agree? Right. So whether you're a Brit trying to establish tax domicile in Hong Kong or whether you're a Californian who wants to uh, become a Nevadan, the principles and the strategies for establishing that tax, tax domicile are pretty much the same. And so that leads us to the issue, well, how is a tax domicile determined? Okay, now every state in the U.S. and, and throughout the world, uh, every jurisdiction is going to have a, a slightly different way of, of doing it, but they all follow um, pretty much the same idea. And that idea is they look for the state that you have the closest connections to. Um, and generally, it, it's a fairly simple process that they go through. They go through 
all of the connections that they can find uh, that a person has to a certain state and, and, and all of the states and they just do a balancing test. They logically look at the connections, which connections are more weighty, which connections are um, less weighty and, and some are stronger and some are weaker than others and they simply weigh in, in their kind of logical assessment um, what state you have the closest connections to. Now obviously their logical assessment um, is slightly biased because uh, states want to have a person domiciled in their state for tax purposes because they get the tax revenue. But you also have to consider that each state uh, is going to be kind of vying against another uh, because only one state can have the tax domicile at a time. Yeah, and we should also note that uh, your place of residence also factors into estate taxes. Right, right. Which can be a significant concern to some people. So when we're, when we're looking at these closest connections, obviously uh, some factors weigh heavier and some factors weigh less than others. For example, uh, if you have a quote-unquote home and utility bills and things of that nature, that might weigh a lot uh, heavier than where you have, for instance, a country club membership. Right. Right. Um, there, there's... And every state is slightly different, but, um, you know, things that might logically establish a firmer connection, like you said, a home, um, would be pretty weighty. Where you own a business may or may not be weighty, depending on whether you have businesses in other states, um, where your business actually operates. For example, if your business is an internet business, um, that really has no particular location. But if your business is a mine that has a particular location, and so that's going to be a little bit more weighty. Yeah, and so uh, in, in this tax domicile report, uh, it's 55 pages. I mean, this is almost absurd that there are these many things that matter uh, because when I, you know, I uh, remember when we were first researching this, it, we found a lot of articles on the Internet where they're like, oh, well, you know, move your home and move your voter registration and move your driver's license and and all these other lists of things. And uh, yes, they're important to do, uh, but that's not necessarily the whole picture, is it? it no, it's not. It's actually uh, quite far from the, the entire picture. And, and these are articles by other attorneys. Certainly. They're, they're good. They have good information, but they're uh, a general overview, usually one page, maybe two, if you printed them out on the internet, off of the internet. Um, but there are a lot more connections, and there's a lot more that goes into determining what your closest connection is. Because even if you have maybe one or two strong connections to a state, if all of your other connections uh, are to another particular state, that may be able to balance out. Uh, even owning a home, you know, a, a large home in one state. And so it, it's going to be, uh, if you under, if you, if you s know all the different factors that are, uh, that go into the equation, you could say, uh, that are found in this 55-page tax domicile report, then you're able to uh, employ a strategy in conjunction with just general privacy uh, principles in your life to really uh, make certain connections disappear uh, while at the same time perhaps making other connections 
appear or at least appear more prominently, right? And what would be an example of being able to do that? Right, because at the same time that you are uh, preventing um, problems from frivolous lawsuits or harassment or extortion, things like that from criminals, uh, you're going to be doing things that removes a lot of the information about your connections from the public domain. So there are going to be things that <clears throat> that aren't really known to anybody um, except yourselves and the, and the private individuals that you share it with. Um, so one example would be ownership of your home. There are several legal tools that you can use, for example, using an LLC or a trust or something like that, to own a piece of property without having your name associated with it in any way. Now, um, that keeps a lot of potential frivolous litigators from looking you up and seeing what kind of assets you own. Uh, but it also makes your connection to the state where you own that property a lot less prominent. Uh, although if, if they ask you, of course, you're the beneficial owner of a home there. But the chances of them actually um, finding that and asking you are much, much lower uh, when you own a home in an LLC or a trust. Yeah, because, you know, keep in mind the state is uh, going through their own cost-benefit analysis of whether this cow that they're trying to milk is worth the effort <laughs> to go through and catch it and milk it. So uh, if you, for example, we were uh, meeting with a reader today and, and I brought up that you can form a New Mexico LLC and you can have a registered agent and the actual managers and members of the LLC don't appear in the public record, right? And so if instead of uh, having a home in your own name, you have a home in the name of this LLC, and then perhaps you have another LLC that rents a home in yet a second state, well now you're able to uh, have different connections appear and di different connections not appear in the public record which makes it a little bit more difficult to acquire all of the facts uh, to decide whether or not to challenge uh, what someone asserts to be their tax domicile. Right. I, I, I've heard you talk about it before when we were discussing these kinds of things. It's almost like you know, a herd of wildebeest in Africa uh, trying to cross a river. And there's alligators in the water. The alligators are, are like the taxing authorities and they're going after the people who don't do it right, who don't change their domicile correctly. Um, you know, they're going to be picking off some, some of the wildebeest out of that herd. Um, but doing it correctly, if you use a lot of these tools, it's almost like a bridge over the river. You, you don't even have to get in the water. And those, those alligators are not going to go after a wildebeest that's crossing over a bridge because it has no chance. Yeah, so when we look at, say, New Jersey, for example, we mentioned them earlier. Uh, last year, they had $70 billion in net worth uh, leave the state, change their tax domicile. Obviously, they can't go after everyone. So who are they going to go after? Well, they're going to go after the wildebeest that's in the water, that's easiest to find. Uh, not the wildebeest who is crossing over the bridge. And remember, we're, we're looking at this from what is legal. I mean, we're looking at all the tests and just taking the preemptive steps to do it the right way. Right, uh, because when preemptively. You, right, because when you control these connections that you have, 
you're able to actually establish real connections in the state that you choose. Uh, you're, you're able to weaken the connections in the states where, which have higher state income tax that you don't want. And using an LLC is one of those ways. You still have the connection. It's just a much weaker connection. And so when you put that into the balancing scales, it's, it's much weaker than it would have been had you owned that property in your own name. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I remember one of our professors in law school, he said, which would you rather control, the law or the facts? And the truth of the matter is, if you can control the facts, you control the outcome of the case. I mean, when you're, uh, remember the last case you were litigating, if only you could have gone back in time and told your client to do one or two things differently, it would have made a large difference in the outcome of the case. In fact, he probably wouldn't have even been in court. There would not have been a case. <laughs> there would not have been a case. <laughs> one, maybe two facts. Yeah, which could have been done actually pretty easily and done preemptively. Uh, so that ounce of prevention could definitely be worth a pound of cure. And so that's really what this uh, tax domicile uh, is all about, being able to preemptively go through, change the facts that you need to change exactly how they need to be changed uh, to make it difficult for them to even target you as a potential uh, person to, to challenge your tax domicile. And even if they do challenge your tax domicile, uh, they'll 99% chance they'll lose. Right. It shows you the facts that are relevant. It shows you what you can do to control those facts so that they're in your favor. Yeah. So this has been episode 80 of the RunToGold.com podcast. And... Uh, in our next episode, we're going to give you a couple helpful tips uh, regarding your residential address. As we've talked about, the Tax Domicile Report is available at taxdomicile.howtovanish.com. And obviously, we can't go through uh, strategies and tactics for everything in it because it's a huge 55-page report consisting mostly of all the legal research and things of that nature. Uh, but we're going to have one or two extremely helpful tips in the next podcast. This is Tom DiLorenzo from the Mises Institute, and you're listening to Run to Gold.